Before we get started this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that second song that we just sang. Um, There is a fountain filled with blood. Uh, It's written by a guy named William Cooper, and he wrote that song in the 1760s, and he wrote that song in an insane asylum. Um, When he was uh, seven, his his mother died, and he dealt with, with... Depression for his entire life. Um, he lived like 65 years or so. He dealt with depression his entire life. And at, in the 1760s, when you're depressed, when you're like clinically depressed, like the stuff they do to you is like they want to literally like take your brain out of your head. Um, and so this is, this is the path that this guy was on for his entire life. And it started when he was seven years old when his mom died. So he's in and out of insane asylums his entire life. And in an insane asylum, when they're probably threatening and likely to, like the next step is giving him a lobotomy where they destroy his brain and you get to be a vegetable for the rest of your life. In those moments, in the darkness of those moments, he writes those words, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Um, and I'm just... I'm like I'm shaken by by someone who could like so we know differently about the 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 reality of what depression is and what maybe mental illness is. We know more now in this age than we did in the 1760s. But for William Cooper, like he's dealing with this fact that there's something deeply wrong with me. Like, I've got a problem, and it's, it's fixable, and it's, it's my issue, and I've got to deal with it. And for him to, to be able to say, redeeming love has been his theme and will be till I die, that's a, that's a powerful thing, is it not? To consider this. We're thinking about love today and, and last week, and that idea just, just like shakes me to my core that... Um, that God provides for us what we need to experience um, His love. Um, our passage today, the, the first verse in our passage today says that love never ends. Um, and I find that idea to be pretty intense, pretty powerful. Love never ends. Those are our first words today. Love never ends. Um, consider that, that love never ends. The love that God has for you never ends. Think about William Cooper broken with his broken brain and broken soul and spirit in an insane asylum to write, redeeming love has been his theme and shall be till I die. Do you know that the highest fulfillment that you have for your life, listen, the highest fulfillment that you have for your life is to live in the glow of the love of God. Like that's, we have these pictures and images of heaven and what heaven's going to be like. And we have this, this longing here on this planet for love. But like the highest fulfillment, the greatest pleasure, the greatest, the most fulfilled place that you'll ever be in is to live in the glow 
of the love of God. You understand what I mean when I say live in the glow of the love of God? Like God's love is so powerful, there's this reverberating noise, this, this, this shouting image, this light that reverberates. It's kind of ironic since we're in a brick room and my voice is reverberating and it may be annoying you. And now that I've talked about it directly, it may be annoying you even more. But like that notion, the reverberation of the love of God is the greatest fulfillment that you'll ever have, that your soul craves and desperately longs for, is to live in that reverberating love of our God. It's your highest purpose. It's your highest fulfillment is there and your highest purpose is to reflect, is to be a part of that chorus, that a part of that reverberation, that redemptive, restorative glow. Do you, like, think about that concept. Like, God's powerful and incredible love reverberates in this world, and that's your highest fulfillment. But to, to echo that, to live that, to be that, to engage with that, is your highest purpose. There's, like, you think about your, your children, your friends, your career, all of those things bring purpose to you, but there is no greater purpose for you than to reflect that redeeming love, that reverberating, restoring glow of the love of God in your world. Um, verse 8, let's, let's dig into to the passage here. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 8. Love never ends. Um, This passage, uh, let's just read that whole verse. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. There's three very specific spiritual gifts that are talked about in this verse. Um, They are prophecy and tongues and knowledge. And every one of those gifts will pass away. There'll be a time when you don't need that gift anymore. There'll never be a time when you don't have love. This, um, so scholars and theologians and people who want to separate themselves from other people and call those things denominations, um, denominational people split up over the stuff that's in this verse and they split up over something that just doesn't, that's not what this passage is about. You might get uncomfortable if someone started speaking in a tongue in this church because that just doesn't happen a lot. And so that people come to this verse to make themselves feel more comfortable and say tongues have passed away. But that this verse is not about that. Can I say that again to you? This verse is not about whether or not a gift exists today that existed in the days of Paul or not. It's, this is about love. And what this is saying, when it says that these gifts will pass away, prophecy, knowledge, and tongues, they will pass away, it means that in one, at one day, one point in life, in eternity future, we will no longer have a need for knowledge. We'll no longer have a need for prophecy. You guys know what prophecy is? It's not just telling the future. It's it's proclaiming the words of God. Like God has something that he wants to say to you. He chooses a prophet to speak that word to you. There's going to come a time in eternity future 
where that's not necessary anymore. Do you know why? Because you'll know it. Everything that there is to need to know will be in front of you. In heaven, we won't need prophecy. In heaven, we won't need tongues. In heaven, we won't need knowledge because we will be completely only affected by this glowing, reverberating love of God that is our complete fulfillment and our complete purpose. In heaven, we won't need those things. But the beautiful part is love never ends. Love never ends. Did you hear what I just said? Like the greatest, think about the most enjoyable, peaceful, experiential moment of your entire existence. That's a glimpse of what God has for you. Love never ends. The reverberating glow of the love of God that you were created to live in never ends. I don't feel like we truly appreciate that, but I'm going to go on anyway. Verse 9. For we know in part, and we will prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I become a man, I gave up childish ways. For now I see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully as I have been fully known. Um, I just took off my glasses. A few weeks ago, um, I carry my glasses in my backpack to work every day. And uh, they, they sit in a little side netting pouch on the side of my, my backpack. Somehow, that glasses case fell out of that netting pouch and onto the ground in my parking garage. And I didn't know it when it happened. So I go about my day, and I, I get to my office, and I'm looking for my glasses. I can't find my glasses. I, I walk back to my car to see if maybe they fell off in my car, and they weren't there. They were laying somewhere between the door and my car that I didn't see. So I spent that whole day without glasses. And I, I was thinking to myself, I'm, some of you know me pretty well and know that I'm dumb. Uh, so I'm thinking to myself that maybe I just, they fell out. Maybe I left them on my nightstand. Maybe I did something stupid that I don't remember. Um, and so the whole day I go, don't have my glasses. I look all over at home. They're not at, they're not at home Little do I know that they're laying in, my, in the parking garage. So I get there the next day, back to work, and I go to the, the front desk. It's a, a big high-rise, like, 30-story building, Bank of America building. And I, I go to the front desk, the security guy, and I'm like, did anybody happen to turn in a pair of glasses that may have gotten dropped in the garage yesterday? And the guy said, no. So, darn. Um, and this was, like, uh, on, a, on a Friday leading into a Sunday here. And I know I need my glasses because I can't, I can't see. So the one day, this was uh, before this, the, the last day that, that Dave was, was here in preaching. And so I was doing call to worship. And before the service started, I went in and, and I, I had the call to worship that I was going to lead you guys in up on the screen so that I could, can I see this without my glasses? 
And it's big enough that I could see it without my glasses. But I look here and look, I have, I have no chance to read this. Like, absolutely no chance. So I have readers that I could allow me to read this. But if I have readers and I look up to look at you, I'm like, I won't be able to, to see any of you. Or I could be the old man and have them down on the end of, of my nose um, and look at you. And so that I could see you and then look at You guys are all laughing at me. And that's great. That's what I intend for you to do. Because I am, I'm a, my eyes are failures. They just don't work. And by the way, two years ago, I could see perfectly. So if you're sitting there giggling at me, thinking, just, just wait, something's going to happen to you. It was mean. Uh, but it's true. It happens. Right? And so I, I stepped out in front. I put my glasses down. And it turns out, by the way, that they did find my glasses. Somebody, somebody actually run them over, like driven over my glasses. And these glasses were run over by a car and they still are here and they still work. There's a, you can maybe see there's a scratch here. That's the only thing that's the problem. Um, let me read this piece of the passage again. Verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face. For now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Like, we have five senses in this world with which to interact with the world. I can see, I can taste, I can touch, I can smell, and I can hear. And each one of those things is limited in some capacity. And sometimes they become even more limited tomorrow than they are today. Or today more limited than they were yesterday. My eyes are a perfect example of that. I can't see without the help of these glasses. I can't engage with the world from a sensual standpoint the way that I'm intended to do so. But in the future, in heaven, in eternity future, when everything else has passed away, but love remains, love never ends, I will experience the beauties of God the way that I was intended to experience them. So right now, I experience the beauties of God like my glasses just got run over by a car and I can't use them. That's how we experience the love of God. But we can still sense it and feel it and be fulfilled by it. And it's beautiful. But we see dimly right now. Like that's, that's incredibly exciting. The joys that you felt on this planet are incredible. We've seen beautiful things. To see and engage with beautiful things in this world. But you only see dimly compared to what is in store for you. Isn't that incredible? Verse 13 Here's where we're going to spend a lot of time this morning. Verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. I want to talk about abide. Um, This word is an incredible word. Uh, Noah, hit that next slide. Let's see about faith and what abide means. To remain, to continue, to be present, a companion. Think about a companion. when, When you think about companion... Um, consider that. What, what do you think about 
companion. And then understand that faith, hope, and love abide. These are all, faith, hope, and love are gifts that God has given to you to live with you like a friend, like a close friend. And this word abide, again, our language is, is weak. What we can communicate with the word abide in the Greek is a, is a powerful word that it's, it's a companion, it's a friend, it's someone who is constantly there next to you. And consider that. Like, God has given to you as a gift faith, hope, and love. And these are your friends. These are your companions. Um, so there's, there's kind of three pieces to this idea. And, and they're illustrated with... Uh, I wanted to show three different movies, but I thought that would be a little bit, little bit much. So I'm just going to you, show you three images. Uh, Noah, hit that first one. Um, this is The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, and there's a scene right before this one where this, this image comes from, uh, where Frodo's job, if you guys have seen Lord of the Rings, the, the whole premise is there's this ring that's, that's powerful that really kind of represents sin and pride and, and greed in the world, and they want to get rid of it. And so the, the whole plot for three movies is to get rid of this ring. And Frodo, who's pure and innocent, his task is to get rid of this ring. And What's happened leading up to this is what are we going, these, a bunch of people gather together and say, how are we going to do this? And they decide the best way to do this is for Frodo to go and destroy the ring in this particular fires that will, the only place where this ring can be destroyed. And these people are going to be his help to do that. And when they finally decide to do that, Gandalf, the wizard says, as long as this task is yours, I'll be by you. I'll be with you. And then... Uh, Aragorn says, as long as I'm alive, you have my sword. And Legolas says, you have my bow. And Gimli says, you have my axe. And if you remember that scene, and you, you can connect with, like, these people have just dedicated their lives. Like, I'm going to be your friend and be with you. And whenever you need what I can contribute to this task, it's going to be there. I will be there next to you with my bow, with my axe, with my sword, with my magic. All of these things, this is what's happening. And that is a perfect definition of abide. Faith, hope, and love are your friends, your companions. They're with you. And everything that they have to offer you is yours continually. If there's a moment in your life where you need to have faith, it's your companion. It abides. But... This word is more than that. Hit that next slide. Uh, this is from the one of my favorite scenes in all of uh, all of the movies. You guys know this movie just by looking at it. Not quite as popular. Scent of a Woman. Great, great movie. Um, Al Pacino on the left is this terrible human being, um, awful, awful human being, and he's blind at this point. Uh, Chris O'Donnell, the guy on the right, is this young. He lives on the West Coast, but he's going to school on the East Coast, and he's gotten himself into some trouble, and, and he, could, he could be kicked out of school. And they're doing wrong by him. And so this, the whole premise is that uh, there's this existential issue that Al Pacino's character is having, and, and he's ready to kill himself. And Chris O'Donnell has saved him before this scene from killing himself. And, and they've lived this, this great weekend, and now... 
Chris O'Donnell's got to go and face the fire, maybe get expelled, and he's about to get expelled. And that's when Al Pacino steps up and, like, is his advocate. And he's, like, giving it to these people. And the picture of abide here is that Chris O'Donnell is incapable of defending himself. But he has a companion, an advocate. Think about that word, advocate, someone who's there to argue on your behalf. That's an advocate. And so he has in this scene, this perfect picture and YouTube uh, sent a woman speech. It's incredible. It's like five minutes of just great beauty. And it, it's, it's really cool from like a, a cinematography standpoint, but it's, it's even better from an abide standpoint that there is this, this incredibly well-versed, well-spoken advocate that you have that's on your side in a really awful time. This is what love abiding means. Faith, hope, and love are gifts, are advocates for you in an impossible time. Think of like our, our culture, our society, where we are. Faith, hope, and love are your advocates in an impossible time. Next slide. Um, this is a, a beautiful picture. This is from the worst movie ever made. Um, Titanic. Um, if you have a problem with that, we can talk afterwards. But it's the worst movie ever made, without question. Um, but this is the only redeeming scene in the entire movie. Seriously, they fall in love in like an hour and a half. So much so that she's willing to like leave her fiance and die in the ocean with a guy she met an hour and a half ago. Give me a break. An incredible American tragedy story we turn into a stupid love story. Terrible. Terrible. And now nobody else, nobody else is allowed to make the real story of Titanic because this one did so, because all these stupid Americans did what they, what culture told them to do and went and bought tickets to this movie like six times. Digression, I'm sorry. Um, but this is a redeeming scene in that ridiculous movie. Um, this redeeming scene is this, this is actually a real historical couple that uh, was on that boat, and they were an elderly couple, and they decided that they're not going to try to get to a lifeboat. They're not going to try to save themselves. They're just going to be content to hold each other while they die. And that's a beautiful picture of abide. Like this elderly couple who's seen beautiful days and is just content to be together. Think about the tragedy that's happening. Certain death awaits them. Like they're going to die, not just a certain death, but a miserable death. They're going to freeze and drown to like I don't know what's going to get them first hypothermia or drowning but I can't imagine a worse way to die but look at them there's peace there but 
But these three remain, faith, hope, and love. They abide. In the same way as the fellowship of the ring, abide. In the same way as an advocate speaks on your behalf, abide. As the same way that people are just content to be together, these things abide for you. Faith, hope, and love. Abide. These are gifts that God has given to you. These are gifts that God has given to you, and they abide with you in the same way. And all three of those pictures present this in a beautiful way. Faith, hope, and love abide. But what is faith? Faith, there you see, looks back to the cross and what was accomplished. It's saying the greatest of these is love, but faith is a great abiding gift that God has given to you. Faith looks back to what was accomplished at the cross. Um, Faith is where trust and surrender meet. Okay? A lot of times we think of faith is just a belief, a really deep trust. Like this is trust, and then if you, you turn that up a little bit, you get faith. But faith is more than that. Faith is where trust and surrender meet. It's this. You guys have seen this picture before where faith is sitting down in a chair, but I want to explain something a little bit deeper for you. Like, I'm trusting at some point that when I sit down, this chair is going to hold me up. That's the picture we've seen with faith. But faith is, there's surrender piece to it. So as I go down, like, I have my quads right now keeping me standing up, all right? The chair at this point doesn't have to be strong because my quads are, all right? Well, not really, but strong enough where I won't fall down. As I go a little deeper, like this, the, my quads, there's a lot more stress, a lot more pressure here. And I'm, I'm not yet surrendered to this chair. There comes a point about right here where my quads are no longer strong enough to keep me standing. And right now, I'm complete, like this chair is my only thing that's keeping me off the ground. Right here, my quads are keeping me off the ground. At some point between here and here, a surrender takes place. You follow that? Like right now, my quads are not flexed. There's no stress. There's no pressure of any kind. Right here, there's a lot of it. Somewhere between those two points, surrender happens. Where I've, I give up everything that I am and I can do and every, every strength that's inside of me, I give it up and place that trust here in this chair. This is faith, where trust meets surrender together. Um, Romans 5.1, throw that up there, Noah. I think it's the next slide. Um, keep, go, go one, there we go. Um, one more. Romans 5.1, there it is. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is the vehicle. We got in cars and drove here today. Faith is the vehicle that brings us to justification, that trust and surrender. I'm trusting and surrendering to who God is and what he's done and that he will give to me justification. Faith is looking back to something that happened in the past. And that thing that happened in the past is God has said, you are justified because of what has happened to Christ. This is faith. And faith abides. It stays with you. It's that companion. It's that advocate. It's that gift that stays with you. Faith continues to stay with you. But there's going to be a time where faith 
ends. Your faith will no longer be of any significant value to you because you'll be in the presence of God. Literally. In the presence of God. Hope. Hope is looking forward to something that's going to happen. Hope is a confident expectation of something that's going to happen. Hope is this. You ever been binge watching a show on Netflix or something and a new character comes in and they're in a lot of trouble? Like maybe maybe they're going to make it, maybe they're going to die, maybe something crazy is awful. Who knows? They're in a, a, a position that they're, there's no way that they're going to make it out. But you check on IMDb and realize that that actor was in every episode of the series. Like there are 74 episodes of the series and in the 45th episode you're like, I don't know if they're going to die or not. It's this big cliffhanger. Are they going to make it? But you know, you looked at, at IMDb, and they're in all 75 episodes. So somehow, they're, they're going to, I don't know how, but they're going to make it. That's hope. That's the picture of hope. I don't know what's happening, and, and this is an incredible, guys, hope is probably the most profound gift that we can enjoy today on this planet in in October of 2017. Hope. I don't know what's going to happen with all of the divides in our country. Our presidential divide, our political divide, our racial divide, our social economic divide. All of these divides are so real and so in front of us. Our justice divide, it's all so real and so in front of us. How, are, how, how does this happen? What's going to happen? Hope is your abiding friend. Hope is your advocate sitting next to you, arguing your behalf. Hope is, I don't care what happens. I'm just going to be content with the fact that I have you as a gift. This is hope abiding with you. Hope abides. Hit to that next one. We'll see the definition of hope in Romans 5, 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let me break that down. We are excited and content and happy, like rejoice, joy, the root word there is this contented exuberance. Like you're so excited and at the same time you're just restfully content. We rejoice to know that in the future we will experience the fulfillment that we were intended to experience. And we will reflect the beauty of what we were intended to reflect from the beginning of time. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When, I, when we hear the phrase, the glory of God, it's this reverberating noise that's created by this perfect love of God. We today rejoice that that's our future. 
just like we can see that that actor is in every 75 episodes, that someday, one day, you will be in the presence of God enjoying exactly what we were created to enjoy. That's rejoicing in the hope of the glory. We bask in the glow of the love of God. And that's hope. And as beautiful as that is, and hope is, in Hebrews, it calls hope is the anchor for your soul. And hope is the, I feel like many times in this world, that's the only thing that I have that makes me smile. In our world, in our culture, what's happening in our world, that's the the gift of hope is what keeps Rick putting one foot in front of the other. The rejoice of the glory of God. But the beautiful part about 1 Corinthians 13, 13 is as beautiful as hope is and incredible as a gift as it's been to my heart and my soul. Love is better. Love is better. And we get to see it and experience it. And the, as beautiful as you've experienced it to this point, like the time where you feel completely vulnerable with your wife or your husband or your friends or God, that love is dim compared to what's in store for you and it never ends. It never ends. Love never ends. Um, I want to end with this thought. Um, Your heart longs to be accepted. Like, in the garden, before sin happens, we're naked and unashamed. Adam and Eve are naked and unashamed, known, completely fully known, fully naked and fully known. We are created to be accepted. You have a longing to be accepted. Do you know, like, high school is the worst? Because you just don't know where you fit. And you fit with, with this group or that group or this group or that group. And sometimes you get, you get kicked out of that group and you got to go be a part of another group because we all have this, this deep longing to be accepted. When you are in the presence of the love of God, you will never, ever be more accepted than you are in that, in the love of God. And think about the obnoxious beauty of that. It never ends. The complete and utter acceptance in its entirety, the, your fulfilled natural drawing, fulfilled only by the love of God. Your heart also longs to be fulfilled. You want to be happy, right? At, at the core of us, we want to be joyful. We want to be happy. Our physical bodies and our minds do things that make us happy, and we try not to do things that don't make us happy. That's part of who we are. We long to be fulfilled. We screw it up when we do things that we think are going to make us happy, but they don't. In the love of God, in the love of God, and only in the love of God, will our hearts be fully fulfilled. 
You long to be accepted. You long to be fulfilled. The love of God gives us that. The last thing, your conscience longs to have things set right. You long to be accepted. You long to be fulfilled, but your conscience longs for things to be set right. That's why this world just doesn't seem to get it. We see wrong, we see evil, we see brokenness in our world, and it needs to be made right. We scream and holler for justice because this is not the way it's supposed to be. Do you guys know that O.J. Simpson got released from jail yesterday? Look, at, that's what makes you guys chatter? <laughs> but seriously, like, the wrongness of that bothers you. The wrongness of things in this world bother you. Do you know why? Because your heart is longing for things to be set right. But God has given you gifts of faith, hope, and love that abide and and love never ends. Like the way, the, the greatest definition I've ever heard of love is to bring the object of your love to a place where they will be completely satisfied. All of those longings to to be accepted, to be fulfilled, and to have things made right. Those are the the fullness of the longings of our heart. And the only way that I can love you is to take you to a place where you can see the thing that will completely fulfill you, that will bring complete acceptance to you, that will make things right. And the only God is the only one the only thing that can answer all of those questions perfectly and completely. This is the love of God, and it never ends, and it's in front of you and offered to anyone fully. So you might say, in the midst of your brokenness, in a broken place, in a broken world, redeeming love has been my theme and will be till I die. This is the love that God has for you offered to you fully and completely. And we don't have to do anything. Not only do we not have to, we we can't do anything to deserve it. It's ours to rest in, to bask in, to, to abide in. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for love. Thank you for hope. Thank you for faith. God, would you, uh, would you allow us to just uh, just see your love today, God? God, would you allow us to be changed by your love, Father? God, thank you for beautiful gifts and examples of your faith, hope, and love that you've given to abide with us. God, may we see, may we, may we get a, a chance in these next few minutes to just 
experience you and your love. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.